The Playful Psychologist podcast is hosted by me, Emily Hanlon, a clinical psychologist who primarily works with children and adolescents. This podcast has been designed to offer support to new psychologists who may feel as though they are drowning in uncertainty. It has also been designed to inform and educate parents and teachers on all things child development. Along with some special guests, I explore different aspects of child development, including developmental disorders and emotional regulation, while also advocating for those who may be falling through the cracks in our current system. Hey guys, and welcome to this week's episode of the Playful Psychology Podcast. Today, I want to chat to you guys about sensory play and why it's so important, but also how you can incorporate sensory play into your everyday, you know, interactions with your child. I think when it comes to sensory play, obviously it is totally awesome that we are now, you know, exploring this a little bit more with kids and we talk about it a little bit more, but sometimes I think it's the new baby led weaning. And what I mean by that is like we like think we have to do it and there's something wrong with us if we don't now is sensory play important in for some children yes it absolutely is is it going to have detrimental devastating effects if you don't engage in sensory play every day absolutely not so today i wanted to talk about what sensory play is how it may help your child and then some ideas for sensory play so let's just start off by looking at what sensory play actually is Sensory play includes, is I guess like a blanket term for any activity that stimulates a young child's senses. So our senses of touch, smell, taste, sight, hearing, but also as well as anything that engages any movement or balance. So it can be like your fine motor movements, your gross motor movements, um, hanging off something, walking on a straight line, walking on a balance beam, all that sort of stuff um, falls under the category of sensory play. Now, I think like I said, we, we definitely are more aware of like sensory play these days and there are a lot of benefits to it. Sensory play encourages learning through exploration, through curiosity and looking at different things, problem solving and really helps with a child's creativity as well. It can help. There is research to show us that sensory play can build nerve connections in the brain and encourage the development of language and motor skills. But again, it's really important to remember that if you don't engage in those things, it doesn't mean that your child is going to struggle with language development. It's just these are things that you can do to encourage language development. I think there's an important distinction there. One doesn't equal the other. Sensory play, you know, is really, really um I think an important part of childhood when done in a way that doesn't stress parents out. I think if you're if you're just doing sensory play and it's really stressing you out, then then stop. There's no need to put yourself kind of through that, um, you know, in my opinion. So let's look at some of the other key, um, you know, benefits of sensory play. Like I said, it can help build those nerve connections in the brain, but it also can really help with the development of motor skills, in particular fine motor skills, because kids are exploring different textures and picking things up and using their pincer grip and that sort of thing. Um, and it also encourages, you know, problem solving because kids are curious and they want to look at like what happens if I do this and they start to learn about cause and effect and causation and that sort of thing. But really interestingly, it can also help promote emotional and physical development. Now, when when I say help promote, again, it doesn't mean that if you do not do any sensory play, you're going to have a child that's just emotionally all over the place, but sensory play um, and doing things like running your fingers through dried rice or pasta or looking at water can distract a child and calm a child who may be feeling overstimulated or over, overly anxious in the moment. And it also promotes like 
a bit of self-discovery, I guess, which can help with emotional development because it does ex- encourage a child to explore new textures and, um, you know, look at different things and, and opens them up to new things and helps them decide what they like and what they don't like, which obviously in turn supports their social and emotional development because they feel a little bit more in control about in new situations because, you know, they, they are exposed to new things and new situations more frequently. When it comes to physical development, obviously we've spoken about the fine motor skills, but when it comes to gross motor skills, it can really help as well because they are using their limbs and they may reach for something with one hand and then the other, or if we're working on hanging or a balance beam or doing the monkey bars, all that sort of thing is obviously going to um, encourage uh, motor development in your child. So if you guys follow me on Instagram, you would have seen some of the sensory things that I set up for my son. Please keep in mind, this is something that I actually quite like. Um, I don't particularly find it stressful, so I engage in it quite frequently. However, like I said before, it's not worth it if you're getting increasingly stressed out by this. So please don't feel like you have to. But I just went and grabbed the $100 um, IKEA sensory table. I think it's called the flea sat table. And basically, um, it you can put their little storage tubs in it and, and engage in lots of different sensory things. In the past, I have filled, um, you know, the tubs up with dried lentils, dried legumes, dried, uncooked dried rice. Um, what else have I used? I've bought some magic sand, but, um, from Kmart, but I haven't popped that in just yet. I've, I've done like shaving foam. I've done water with like fruit slices, water with ice, water with um, watercolor ice cubes, all that sort of stuff. So uh, if I'm buying things like dried legumes, I just buy them in bulk from, um, my local bulk food store, which for us is the source. Um, and it's really, really cheap. And then I just store them in, you know, Ziploc bags and I reuse them at a later date. And then if I'm putting stuff like that in, I may, um, you know, put some animals in there and we might hide the animals. We have to dig them out or we may, um, I, we've got some little construction vehicles. So I chuck them in there and, and, you know, they dig and that sort of thing. And my son really seems to like that sort of stuff. Again, if you follow me on Instagram, you may have seen that very early on, my son was not into anything cold. He hated like things like ice blocks, ice cream, hated touching ice. So I would just, you know, fill, put, put some uh, one or two ice cubes in some water and let him explore that. And now we don't necessarily have an issue, which I think is really cool. Am I saying that this would have developed into an ice phobia as he got older? No, but it's nice to see that there are some, you know, he had a little bit of a challenge there and exposing him to it gently in a play-based way was really, really helpful. I think another thing for us, if for example, my son's not really into Play-Doh. I've bought the, you know, store-bought colorful one. I made the organic lavender scented one. He's not really into it. Is it something I'm worried about? No, it's a, it's a funny texture if you're not used to it. Will I pull it out every now and then just to expose him to it? Sure. Um, but there, yeah, so there are lots of things that you can do. And my reason for rattling them off and going on a bit of a ramble tangent just then is to show you that it doesn't have to be expensive. You can buy a tub and, and, and just plonk things in it. Um, you can use existing toys with some different materials like dried rice, which again is not too expensive. Um, a thing of shaving foam will last you like three or four different, um, you know, sensory experiences, depending on, on what you want to use and that sort of thing. Um, or we also bought a, like a little water table. Again, you don't need to purchase it, but we bought ours from Temple and Webster, I think on sale for like $25. And that was really, really cool when my son was younger and not so much walking yet. Cause it was quite short. 
um, on the ground and he could just sit and just play a flap around in the water and he just adored it. So there's lots of different things um, you can do. And when you're engaging in sensory play, you can, you know, comment on things with your child and, and that sort of thing, which I think is, you know, enhances the learning experience because they feel like you're engaging in it with them. Now, a couple of things as well. Sensory play does not necessarily always mean a setup activity that you've put time and effort into creating. Going to the beach, for example, and allowing your child to dig on the sand, that's a sensory experience. Sand is awesome for sensory play. So there's a, you know, an idea if you live close to the beach and then, you know, the, the mess hopefully mostly stays outside. Another example of everyday play is, um, I, I sometimes take my son for a walk and then we grab a coffee and he grabs like a baby chino and I grab an ice long black. And when I finish my coffee, I just toss out the ice on the footpath and let him explore the ice. And he loves that, you know, loves putting the ice in the cup, taking it out, drawing with the ice, all that sort of stuff. Um, even using chalk on our outdoor um, backyard wall or on our backyard tiles, that sort of thing. You know, that's a really great um, sensory experience too. I think, like I said at the beginning, sensory play is just an umbrella term that we use for any activity that stimulates a young child's senses. So anything that you think stimulates their senses is sensory play. Um, and like I said, you can take them to the park and, and even let them touch grass and pick up different leaves and sticks. That's sensory play. Um, so don't feel like you need to set up these really intricate, uh, you know, <laughs> things for your child, these really intricate setups, because sometimes you may set something up and a child may play for it for five minutes and that's all they've, you know, got the capacity for before they move on and that's okay. But you don't want to become frustrated setting up all these activities for them not to use it for very long. Um, so yeah, that's just a little hot tip for you. Now I want to talk about what you can do if sensory play is something that gives you a little bit of anxiety in regards to like making mess. Number one, obviously, if you're lucky enough to have a backyard or a terrace or anything like that, you can definitely do it outside. Number two, I saw this awesome hack. I think I saw it on the page, Milestones and Motherhood. And it's run by this lady called Casey in America. She's a pediatric OT and she gets like a fitted sheet and uses her dining chairs or any like big, like, you know, toy boxes or anything to prop the fitted sheet up a little bit. And she sets up tubs of like sensory rice or whatever inside the sheet so that the mess is totally contained. And she's told her, she's like, quote unquote trained her girls to know that you only play with the sensory stuff in the sheet so that when they're finished you carefully remove the fitted sheet from all the um you know furniture that you've used to set it up and then you can just fling it outside so it's perfect in that regard you can also if you're a little bit anxious about setting up you know um yogurt or or shaving foam sensory play you can always do that in the bathtub as well um that's what i do every now and then if the cleaners just come and i just don't want to deal with it or if my husband's working late and it's just me i'll set it up in the bathtub or in the shower and he loves it so you can always do things like that as well but I guess the take home from today is, should we be engaging in some form of sensory play every day? Yeah, probably. Does it need to be an extensive setup? No, it doesn't. Do we, you know, accidentally or subconsciously engage in sensory play more often than we think? Yeah, for sure. So definitely keep that in mind when you're um, getting a little bit nervous about sensory play in the future. But if you have any questions, I am going to link a blog post that a follower... Um, 
wrote for me very early on when the Playful Psych just started. It was like the second blog post on the website. So I will link it here. And I will also link my sensory hacks guide for you guys, which is just goes through every, um, you know, one of our sensors, including the balance and, and motor ones. And then it shows you little hacks for what you can do to help develop those sensors a little bit further. So I'll definitely link that for you guys too. Anyways, I hope you guys have a great week and I will talk to you later. See ya.